2008 has been the year that shook the world and began the restructuring of the global economies, then 2009 is likely to hold even more surprises in store. Will the UK's £500 billion rescue package of the banks and financial institutions be enough to prevent further economic gloom in the financial markets? And, well, shouldn't we have seen this chilly wind coming? Now that's a question that the experts have been thinking about too. Dr Bill Janeway, a senior advisor at Warburg Pincus, enjoys a special relationship with Cambridge University. It's not just where he got his PhD in economics. He's chairman of the Board of Trustees of Cambridge in America and a founding manager of the Cambridge Endowment for Research in Finance. Dr Janeway recently told the Cambridge Leadership Seminar Series at Judge Business School why he thought economics should be regarded as a branch of social science, not physics. Human beings aren't molecules, to put it very succinctly. Human beings know, not only do live, but know that they live in a world that moves through time into an unknowable future. The processes that generate the data that are analyzed by economists, analyzed by financial practitioners, the processes that generate that data are not stationary. They're not the same as, they're not of the same quality as the physical processes that natural scientists observe. It's not just that they're complicated. Above all, it's because human beings observe each other's behavior as molecules do not and adjust their own accordingly, which creates a kind of uncertainty that does not exist in the physical world. Because you refer to, to financial economics as being an engine, not a camera. Can you just explain what you mean by that? Well, the phrase actually is the title of a remarkable book by a remarkable scholar, uh, Donald McKenzie at the University of Edinburgh. And what he meant by that uh, term was that finance theory, as it evolved over the last 40 years, was not a camera capturing how the markets work, but rather an engine for transforming how they work, from the pricing of options in Chicago in the famous Black-Scholes equation through the construction of these astoundingly complex derivative structures known as collateralized debt obligations squared. So have the markets been let down by how economics has led us to believe that it was a science and that we were all safe under its umbrella? I think that we have decoupled the behaviour of the institutions on which we depend. We depend for them to hold our assets. We depend uh, on them to lend us the credit necessary uh, in order to buy and sell in the world beyond the financial markets. Um, we, we look, we should have been able to rely on their assessment of the actual cash flows, the cash flows of borrowers that would be used to repay the debts lent to them, the cash flows of lenders that would provide continuity and their ability to perform their economic function. Dr Janeway goes further. He thinks we all drank a little bit too much at this particular saloon. I think that a very large number of people 
frankly, drank the Kool-Aid. They drank the Kool-Aid generated by successive waves of very, very, very smart theorists. The core was the notion that those that uncertainty, that ignorance we have of the future could be reduced to a statistical measure. The statistical volatility, the ups and downs of a time series, a history of the prices of securities projected forward as if it would be stable and reliable as a guide to pricing, to valuation, to risk management. The practitioners in the market, the traders and managers in the banks drank that Kool-Aid. The regulators drank that Kool-Aid when they said to the banks, you decide how much capital you need. You use your internal models uh, in order to determine how much cash you have to hold back uh, against uh, loss. Uh, And then it was also uh, drunk by the rating agencies who became co-conspirators, if you like, in the construction of this extraordinary and unsustainable mountain of leverage, mountain of derivative debt. A traditional way of helping economics climb out of a recession is for the political and business leaders to encourage innovation. Indeed, governments have believed innovation is something that policymakers can encourage. Not so fast, says Jadeep Prabhu, who is the Jawaharlal Nehru Professor of Indian Business and Enterprise at the University of Cambridge. Many people, that's right, many people have thought over time that what happens at the national level and what the government does must matter a lot uh, in driving innovation. And we tested this idea and compared it to what was happening within corporations and found to our surprise that um, the government and national level drivers were far less important than the firm level drivers of innovation. But that's quite a surprise, isn't it? Because if you look at China, if you look at the United States of America, if you look at Britain, if you look at Europe, they've all got innovation policies. Indeed, and that was partly the impetus for our project. Uh, We wanted to see if uh, those attempts at the national level uh, were worth all the effort. Uh, And it may seem as if... um, Uh, They aren't. So if it's the internal drivers that matter more than government-driven strategies, what exactly are these factors that help companies to take risks and find new ways of innovating? So the attitudes that matter are three. Uh, One is risk-taking, as you point out, the willingness to try out new ideas even if they may fail and may cost the company money. The other two that we found mattered were a focus on the future, and future markets as opposed to merely current markets. And the third was a willingness to cannibalize your current success in the interests of future bets. And what does cannibalize your current success mean? Just take a risk. Well, it, it means something more precise than that. You may have a product that's very successful at the moment, but your focus on the future may suggest that you need to introduce a product that might actually eat into the sales of your existing products. And that is something you're going to have to do in order to keep 
uh, innovating. Professor Prabhu believes that one of the ways companies might innovate in a recession is to appoint product champions at all levels of their business structure. So we just discussed the attitudes that are important, but we've identified three practices that matter as much. One of which is the practice of using product champions. These may be individuals uh, at the top of the company, like the CEO, or at various other levels within the organization. These are people who are passionate about a particular new idea, maybe a new customer segment that they've identified, or a new product or service that's designed to meet the needs of that segment, and they literally champion that idea and galvanize other people in the company around that idea. So, if we need innovation to help ride out the current economic storm, who are the individuals who are likely to take those risks and innovate? Now that's something that Dr. Shai Vikarnam, the director of the Centre for Entrepreneurial Learning, has been thinking about. The tests were conducted between hot and cold decision making, so different parts of the brain are functioning. The cold parts are the calculating parts, the、uh, mitigating of risk, and analysing、uh, situations. And in those cases, there is no difference actually between entrepreneurs and other successful people. But the Uh, difference came arose really in the so-called hot decision making, the impulsivity tests, the test of、uh, gambling, the test of taking risks,、uh, and and the difference is really stark in that situation. True entrepreneurs don't mind taking the kind of risks that might make the rest of us shiver in our shoes. In fact, their brains relish it. This group of serial entrepreneurs, the risk takers, they've started more than two companies. Some are over fifty, in fact. And yeah, I guess if we're looking at、um, their approach to impulsive behaviours, it goes really contrary to the flow of management generally, which is all about、uh, business planning and budgeting and so forth. And so, the impulsiveness side of the entrepreneur, combined, if you like, with the Um, Risk-averse planning would be the ideal combination, but yes, entrepreneurs therefore, if they are impulsive, wouldn't fit normally the management role. Does that mean that you take more risks when you're young, so that if you want to be an entrepreneur, you ought to start your business when you're young? Yeah, that's a really interesting point because the data is showing us、uh, in this that the 51-year-old average age entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, has a very similar risk profile to the 17 to 27-year-old、uh, profile,、um, whereas the normal managers are、uh, norm- normalised against the population at their own age-appropriate groups. So certainly, if if the younger people are、uh, more prone to taking risk, have a higher appetite for it. Then we should give advice which goes contrary to what they normally get. Graduates say, "Go get a proper job, get some experience, earn some money, learn the skills, and then go start a company if you want to." Whereas what we should be saying is, "Have a go to begin with when you're young, when the risks don't seem so great. Learn about entrepreneurship, maybe learn your own attitude towards risk, and then you can make a longer decision." So, getting back to that chilly wind of recession, are risk takers going to help us innovate and change our company models and structures in order that businesses can grow and thrive, even when the odds are stacked against them? Well, it seems, in the words of Barack Obama, yes, we can. The risk-taking、uh, entrepreneur is certainly out and about a lot,、uh, without question, and、uh, they absorb a lot of this through tacit knowledge. So, if we were to separate them between serial entrepreneurs and novice entrepreneurs, the serial entrepreneur, I guess, being older by definition, would have been out and about much longer.、Uh, so, it's the novice entrepreneurs that we need to train up and say, actually, guys, go and meet people, meet other people who take risks, see if it's for you, 
uh, and, and kind of soften the risk, if you will, uh, your perception of risk, uh, understand whether it's real or just in the mind. One thing that established Western economies mustn't do in this recession is to become protectionist and prevent the emerging economies from catching up. Labour and trade restrictions will not benefit anybody, says Dr Christus Patelis, director of the Centre for International Business and Management at Judge Business School. Well, the reason I'm saying that catching up is well for the economy is that the more developed the world is, the more we all benefit. For example, if you think about, take your case, you should be very happy that you have a Sony television. Uh, 20, 30, 40 years ago, people might be very worried because of the emerging uh, power which they could see economic power of Japan. We, since we have realized that we all benefited out of the catching up of Japan and other East Asian economies, there are similar fears with China. I think that it's, good, it's a good thing for catching up and development that creates new markets, uh, new consumers, uh, and this is good for everybody. Dr Patelis advises the European Union on encouraging firm-level business clusters in the emerging economies. These policies are needed even more now. I've been working with very many countries, uh, both uh, Western countries, uh, Western European, I mean in the context of uh, a European Union project uh, called NetWin, uh, networking for innovation that involved diagnosing clusters and I was the international expert of the European Commission on cluster diagnosis and developed uh, their methodology for diagnosing clusters and we've been to places like France, Ireland, the UK, Greece, Portugal uh, trying to, diagn to diagnose some uh, 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 some clusters and see how you do this process of diagnosing and then how do you move to the process of upgrading by uh, the cluster by identifying either missing linkages or what policy interventions can make this cluster more successful. According to Dr Patelis, the emerging economies and the Western economies cannot be decoupled and their interests are one and the same. Restrictive policies will amount to a double blow to the world economies, according to Dr. Patelis. What really concerns me is that America and other developed countries are focusing in attracting particular type of human capital which is very good for them and not allowing other type of unskilled labour to enter. And this is a double blow to developing countries in the sense that A, they lose the best and B, and these best are the sort of people who may actually decide to stay in the U.S. And those people who are at the lower uh, skill uh, level and actually go in order to make some money, send back some remittances home, and then possibly eventually return, start a small business there and help the local economic development, they are not being allowed in. So it is quite hypocritical in many respects. And at the same time, um, it is... Um, it makes it more difficult for developing countries. So if I was Barack Obama and you were sitting here with a message for me, what would you say if you wanted him to encourage global one-world growth? Well, what I would say is that for the US to stick to its professed uh, belief that uh, uh, tr free trade is good, but also recognize that there are conditions for free trade, and the condition is that you should allow... Uh, policies for developing countries to catch up, which look like being anti-trade today, 
but because they facilitate cutting up, like for example infant industries, like for example infant clusters, they eventually help uh, the growth and uh, employment and development back in the developed world as well. And this is what uh, needs to be done, to recognize that we need a level playing field, which we don't have at the moment. And that we live in one world. Where we all benefit if we allow other peoples to benefit as well.